reading today is from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, and I'm reading from the NIV. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Thank you so much for that reading. A number of years ago, thank you. <laughs> good. A number of years ago, I um, joined up at a gym, and a part of joining up with the gym was that you got some free personal training sessions as a part of that. And I think it's an insurance thing to make sure you don't kill yourself on the machinery. But, um, but nonetheless, I thought it was a good idea to take up these training sessions. And, and I get there, and I'm, I'm thinking that I'm, I'm not unfit. You know, like, I'm not un unfit, but I'm definitely not as fit as I could be. That's why I came to the gym. But I thought, I'm not starting at zero, maybe a three or four out of ten. I'm, I'm, this shouldn't be too bad. Then this guy walks out, this personal trainer, and, like, everything that's in me felt inadequate <laughs> in comparison. Like, just his shoulders, his, his T-shirt looked better than anything I've ever worn. Like, everything that he wore just looked amazing. This mountain of a man, this perfect specimen of, of God's creation. <laughs> I'll stop there. If you are listening to the podcast, please listen further on. When I go. And the other thing that, that he, his, his clothes looked at the part and he had these bright red sneakers on. And that's important, I'll tell you why in a second. And we started this training session and we're about oh, maybe five to ten minutes into this training session. And, and I'm trying to keep up because I want to look like him one day. Like I'm, he's, he is now my my goal is to be like this guy. And so I'm, I'm trying really hard to, to make myself, you know, exercise and, and live up to this benchmark that just he did by standing there. And about five to ten minutes in, I'm starting to see spots. Like, I'm, I'm seeing white patches. And I'm, I'm thinking... And he said, yeah, we're trying to get the blood moving. And it definitely did. It actually left. I don't know where it went, but it moved. And then it was gone. And, and I'm seeing white spots. And, and so we find a piece of gym equipment, and I sit down on this, this piece of equipment, and I'm just staring, and this is the reason I know that his boots were red, is I'm just staring at these perfect, brand new, red <laughs> sneakers. And the whole time, the only thing going through my head is, if you don't want to throw, throw up, you just need to breathe in your nose and out your mouth. In the nose, out the mouth, don't throw up on the shoes. In the nose, <laughs> out the mouth, 
don't throw up on the shoes. And I'm just in this cycle. That's my entire physical, spiritual, mental capacity was consumed by breathing and not throwing up. That was it. That, that was the entirety of everything that I was in that moment. I think after a couple of minutes of this, he's probably just sitting there. I'm sure on the inside, he's just sitting there going, <laughs> broke out. <laughs> um, but he was very nice on the outside and seemed to be very genuine and caring. And, and I think it's sort of after a few minutes, he realized that, well, this session is done. Like, I've got 20 minutes now. What are we going to do? And so, to his credit, he very politely just started some surface-level conversation. And first, you know, so, so how long have you been here, and, you know, what do you do, and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and I'm, I'm, every answer took effort, because my entire capacity is in the nose, out the mouth, don't throw up, in the nose. And so he, you know, what's your name? Um, in the, Tim. It took effort. What do you do? I'm a, I'm a minister. And every time you say that, you've got to sort of paint the different understandings. Minister, pastor, priest. You know, you go through the, the different explanation, which took about five minutes because I'm minister. And, you know, what, what takes you here? I said, oh, I'm at a church down the road. And we had this conversation. But, but I wasn't in the moment. I was honestly, everything in me was just focusing on breathing and just how crook I was feeling. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation where you've, you, you're through the conversation but you haven't actually thought about it, like you're not, you're not really keeping up with what's being said, and, but you're still with it enough that you can go back and go, oh, they said that, they said that, they said that. And, and, and I've sort of come, I've got my wits about me now and I'm a bit more with it. I'm still sitting on the machinery and, and I realised that he just said that he used to go to church. Oh, and then I'm looking at these shoes and I'm still focusing and I see some... some something falling on the ground near these shoes. And, and I, I look up, and this guy who's just this mountain of a man has just got streams of tears pouring down his face. And as I've gone back and recalled the rest of the conversation, he, he's, he said that he used to go to church. He, he has a wife and kids, and they were part of the church, but he was told that if you can't speak in tongues, then you're not saved and they left the church, heartbroken. It was in that moment that I was able to say that that's not what Scripture says. That's not the way that works. Let me show you. Let me explain to you. And it wasn't in that session because I had nothing left. There was, that wasn't the space for it. But I was then able to take this guy out for a freshly squeezed organic juice, which is what you have when you're in that capacity of fitness. Um, never seen anybody read the label of anything so thoroughly to count his macros. And we had these catch-ups, and it was semi-infrequently. Sometimes we'd catch up every couple of weeks because I'd see him at the gym without a client. He'd sort of be sitting there, you know, killing half an hour, and so I would graciously sacrifice my workout to go and spend time <laughs> with him. Other times we'd intentionally go out for our organic boost juice thing <laughs> and um, sit in a food court and we'd open up scripture and we'd catch up and pray together. And, and after about 12 months of just these infrequent catch-ups, he, um, he came in to the gym and actually sought me out and said, hey, I went to church on Sunday. 
and I brought my daughters and my wife and I think we found a church and we're plugged back in. And I want to say in that moment, there was incredible strength of in that moment, God had, had made, created a space. I could have had any PT as a large centre. I could have had any personal trainer in that centre. Someone who may have not pushed me as hard as they did and in, ended up with that encounter. But in that space, I was being led by the Spirit in just not even... Maybe if I was with it and they said, what do you do, I would have been a bit more diplomatic. Often I don't say it. You know, so I do stuff with the community and I sort of build a relationship. But then I, I always let them know what I do. But sometimes, I, depending who it is and what their story is, I'm a bit diplomatic because I want to build the relationship before I share that, then I want to lead them to Christ. It's always Christ-centered, but I want to do it in, in relational way. But there was none of that, because I had no... I was just trying not to throw up. There was no filters. There's no capacity. The Spirit led that conversation to a place where it took place. What was said there was actually, I was able to use Scripture as my anchor to, to help the hurt that had been done. And through the Scripture being anchored in there and being led by the Spirit, he was able to come back into his walk with Christ. And I want to say it's so important as a church, so important, so vital for us, is it's actually the core foundation of who we are as a church. The first pillar that holds us up is that we as a church are anchored in Scripture and led by the Spirit. And today we start our vision series. We had Vision Sunday a couple of Sundays ago where we talked about, as a church, that the, the reason that we're here as York Street, our purpose is to lead people to Jesus and create disciples who are empowered to do the same. And the first way that we do that is that we need to be anchored in Scripture and led by the Spirit. We see at York Street that the new emblem that we have that represents who we are is an empty tomb because we believe that the cross is so vital to who we are that without the cross we don't have salvation. And so many of us are saved, we believe in Jesus, we've accepted him, and we've been saved, and that's incredibly, incredibly important. It's the foundation of who we are. But if the cross equals salvation, then the empty tomb means that he's not dead, he's risen. And if Jesus is risen, then he's called us to do something. He sent his Holy Spirit for a purpose. So if the cross equals salvation, the empty tomb equals obligation. And we are called as a church to be in action for the kingdom. And so today as we start, we're going to see how this action plays out through scripture and spirit. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we are anchored in the word of God that you gave for us. We thank you that with that we are partnered with your Holy Spirit and we can be led to where you want us to go. Lord, I pray this morning as we open up your word that we would be a church that is motivated into action, not only saved, but obligated to be obedient to your word, to live this out on a daily basis, partnering with your Holy Spirit, but anchored in your word. Would you reveal to us as individuals and as the body of Christ this morning what you would to help us draw closer to you and to help others see you in us. In Jesus' name, amen. If it's anchored in scripture, we better dive straight into it. We see in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. 
All scripture is God-breathed. Everything that is in this book has been, has been guided and moulded by our creator. And the more that you learn about God's word, the more you see that it actually fits together. The more that you see that, that this couldn't just be a random chance. It's not just a bunch of books. There's purpose to this. The design fits. So while the prophecies of the Old Testament, hundreds of years later, came true over and over and over and over, 108 or more times. The, the, the chances of that are impossible. It is God-breathed. I say the more that I learn about Scripture, the more that I don't know. The more I learn, I'll find something and go, wow, that is incredible. That means, and which means, which, I've got to read the whole thing again. Like, it's incredible. I love it. I love it. The staff will know. I get really excited and I just come knocking on doors and it's like, yeah, check this out. <laughs> and I'm pretty disruptive sometimes in the office. Other times I lock myself away and go away. <laughs> but but it's, I get so excited by Scripture. The idea of teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, righteousness being right living, it's not a negative thing either. Like teaching and, and correcting, like, no, no, you, you've got to do it this way. It's actually a good thing. I remember a number of years ago when our oldest son was about three or four, uh, driving in Sydney at the time where we were living, and we would see the, the traffic lights, traffic lights everywhere, of course, in Sydney, and traffic moves quite quick in Sydney, a lot quicker than they do in Ballarat. And the green light went orange. And what an orange light means in Sydney is like, whew, let's go. <laughs> and, and if you did stop, then other cars would run into you because everyone's going a bit quicker um, than they would in Ballarat. If you see an orange light in Ballarat, please stop. And I remember teaching my son this and verbally processed, not really realising what I was saying, but he's in the back and he, and just say, hey, yeah, look, it's orange. That, that means that we've still got a bit of a chance. We'll go through because there's cars behind us. Yeah, and, and, and where I realised that my teaching and rebuking wasn't quite correct was that we're about half a kilometre from a light down the hill, and the light went orange, and Dad's <laughs> Dad, Ryland's like, go, Dad, go, you can make it, you can make it. I've created a monster. <laughs> That the heart is that the lights are there for a reason. You see it go orange, you stop. It's a safety thing, and if you don't, you get in trouble. Rebuking is, is a good thing. It's, it's actually done out of love and safety and care. It's not that the tone of this is not angry and cranky, it's loving and what is best for us. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, verse 17, for every good work. And we know the good work is always for the good news, to further the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see that this is God-breathed with a design. We then see that the God wanted to show us how to put this into action. And so we've heard, read out of John, that that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So in the beginning, it was God. God created everything. The Word, God's Word, was, was there. And then it says a little bit later in verse 14 that the Word became flesh, verse 16, sorry, and dwelt among us. God sent his Son to, to live among us. The Word became flesh. 
And so we're going to spend some time looking at what this word became flesh looked like, how Jesus lived. How did Jesus be anchoring scripture and led by the Spirit, knowing the authority of scripture being God-breathed and knowing that Jesus was sent from God? How does this look? Well, firstly, many of us will have children that have started school in the past few weeks. How's that going for you? Yes. (laughs) Routine is good. Preparing lunches when you forgot about it late at night is bad, so Yvette's told me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, the routine's good and it's, it's difficult, and, and the, but it, it's, it's getting kids prepared for life and getting into those spaces. And, and, and a part of that is we actually see that Jesus is doing just that. He's, he's starting something. He's not starting school, but he's about to start his ministry. And the first thing that that Jesus does when he's about to start his ministry is that he gets baptised. Jesus gets baptised and John says, I shouldn't be doing this. And he goes, no, that's right, I need you to do this because I want other people to follow this example. And the first thing Jesus does when he goes through the waters of baptism, and from them we just see that the very first thing that Christians do in God's word is they get baptised. You you believe and you're baptised. And we've got... put a delay in that process. I don't know why we've done that, and we'll talk about that later in the year, but if you believe, just be baptised. It takes out all the confusion and all the, the other stuff. Just, just do it. It's a good thing. And so Jesus is baptised, and he comes up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And then what happens? You've got to remember that the Bible sort of flows a lot of these stories do link together and sometimes you can take out some of the, the numbers and chapter titles and just see exactly the way that it flows, the way it was written, the way it took place. And so we're going to do that a little bit today. But the very first thing that took place after Jesus is baptised comes out of the water is this. Jesus, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he's doing the right thing. He's doing what God's called him to do. This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Holy Spirit, sending, Father's voice, it's all good. Off to the wilderness. Like, hang on. It doesn't, don't we usually think like you become a Christian, all of a sudden your acne clears up, um, your wife becomes better looking, your wallet's a little bit fatter. Isn't that sometimes what we teach though? We hear, become a Christian, everything, she couldn't possibly become any better looking. That, you know, sometimes we teach that you become a Christian, everything will be okay. That's not always the case. We see here that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. There's a plan, and that the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. Understatement coming up. And in the end of them, he was Hungry. Wow. If I skip breakfast, <laughs> I'm about hungry. 40 days? Wow. And so you see, he's, he's in this space of, of need. He's in this space of want. He's in this space in the wilderness. He's been led there by the Spirit. What's about to happen next? Well, the devil says to him, The devil shows up and starts to tempt him and he says in verse 3, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
And Satan's saying to him in this bit, you have a physical need. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Therefore, you're hungry. So what I want you to do is see these stones, say to them, become bread, and they'll do it. And he starts tempting Jesus in the physical realm. And the first thing, it's kind of like a tennis match, that that Satan goes, come on, turn the stones into bread. And, And Jesus' reply, what does he do? Does he just go... No, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I don't feel called to. You know, like, like what, what's his response in the temptation? What, what's, what is it? And sometimes we do, though, don't we? You get, a, you get a temptation or you get asked something and you get challenged with something. And you just go, feelings, um, calling. And, and we do. But Jesus replies this. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus' defense is scripture. And he goes, if you know God's word, if you know the passage in Deuteronomy that I quote, God's people were hungry. They were in need. They needed food. They needed things. And God sent manna from heaven, this this wafer that just appeared miraculously on the ground and, and made up for their physical needs. But you know what? They didn't even need that. You don't need to live by bread alone. There's so much more to life than what you're seeing. Satan, you're you're tempting me with the physical, but there's so much more. Look how powerful my father is. Can you see what he can do? Satan goes for another shot. Verse 5, the devil leads him up to a high place to show him in an instant all the kingdom of the world And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor that is given to me. I can give it to anyone. If you worship me, it will be yours. Second shot. I'm not a tennis player. (laughs) And and the second shot, and, and all this will be yours. Can you feel all this? Yeah, you know those feelings? Like sometimes I'll, I'll, for me, I drive past a car yard and I look at that car and go, Ooh, man, that'd be good. I'd love that. This week I got a, a phone, I'm just going to play the tennis racket. <laughs> um, I, I got a phone call from another church saying, hey, would you, you know, be willing to come and preach? And there's a part of me that's just like, ooh, I like that. Ooh, like, what is that? Sometimes our emotions, sometimes that pride, this stuff that stirs up inside us and we've got to ground it, we've got to name it, we've got to look, where did this come from? What does this mean? And, and Satan here is, is saying, all this, could be, you just got to worship me. Just, just do that little bit of thing. Even if you don't half mean it, just, just give in a little bit, it'll be, and then all this is yours. Jesus goes, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Once again, scripture is what Jesus uses to fend off that, the emotional side of what is taking place in this temptation. Once again, quoting Deuteronomy 6, but even more than that, quoting the Exodus 20 passage where we see the Ten Commandments, don't put anything before me, don't worship any idols or anything, and don't worship any other God before me. The first and second commandment. 
And we see that Jesus once again used scripture to anchor him and fend off the attack. The third time Satan goes and the devil led him to Jerusalem and said to him, stand on the highest point of the temple and if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for here for it is written. And then Satan himself quotes scripture. And I've got to say, we've got to be so careful with how we use scripture. It is powerful, but it can be used out of context. You can make this say anything you want. You can grab a passage, you can grab something. I grabbed a passage this week that I was thinking would be really good for Mother's Day, and it was not a good passage for Mother's Day. And I remember, like, I grabbed the passage, good passage, then I read around it. It's like, no, no, not good context uh, for Mother's Day at all. If you want to hear about it, ask me after the service. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but, it was, but, but I grabbed a passage because that passage looked really good. And, and it was out, totally out of context, totally inappropriate <laughs> for what I wanted it for. And it's so important that we let Scripture hold its own authority, but we understand some of the, the theology and content around how it is written. Because Satan will use Scripture against us. I was able to say to, to the gym instructor, when he said the church said this, I was able to say, that's not my understanding of Scripture. Can I show you? what I believe? Can I show you what I think God is saying? I may not have all the answers, but this does. Can we journey together? Satan says, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. He will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against the stone. And he goes and says, do you know what, God? Do you know what, Jesus? You can have some power. You jump off the spiritual power that you can have. The spiritual side of this. You know how amazing that would be if you could use that, that spiritual strength, that power, and people could see that bit of ego in there. But like, look, imagine what that would look like. And this really, I think the tone changes the way I read it. I think Jesus' tone changes a little bit. So far, he's been just like, man does not live by bread alone. But I think here is the point where Jesus goes, no, you don't quote scripture at me. That's not how you do that. That is not acceptable at all. And Jesus' reply says in verse 12, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And it shuts Satan down and Satan leads him to an opportune time. We see three times that Satan has a go at the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. Satan is attacking on every side, and each time Jesus defends it with Scripture. We see the end goal is Jesus three, Satan zero. Once again, I don't play tennis. I don't know how the scoring works. Love. I can say love all. That'd work. Jesus, but anyway. <laughs> Bad. Bad. That's not in my notes, I promise. <laughs> but there's a purpose to all this. God's not going to lead you somewhere for nothing. God's not going to lead you in the wilderness and just leave you hanging there. There's a purpose. We're called for a reason. And what we see take place here is then, if we read, and like I said, we're actually going to take out the man-made titles and headings here and just read it the way it was written, and just continue the story, because sometimes the story doesn't stop 
and then there's a new story. Sometimes the story continues. We've just put numbers in to help us reference it and find them a bit easier. And we read from chapter 4, we continue it on from verse 13, then the devil had finished all his tempting. He left him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Why do you need the power of the Spirit? Because you haven't eaten for 40 days. You are wrecked. You are empty. You're not led. You are through, in the power. You know, he was led by the Spirit. This time the Spirit is helping him. The power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Why? Because he had withstood these temptations and because of that God was using him in a really mighty way. The challenge for us this morning is simple. Are you being led by the Spirit and are you anchored in Scripture? Are you being led by the Spirit and does, are you being anchored? Does Scripture anchor you in those tough times? There's, some of this is quite simple because the Gospel is simple. Being a Christian is simple. God didn't want to make it hard. It's accessible. If you want to live by the Spirit, then the answer is simple. It's prayer. If you want to draw closer in communicating with God and hearing how he communicates back, the answer is prayer. Talk to him and then create space to listen for the answer. Look for the answer. See how he's going to speak to you. Sometimes he speaks through others. Sometimes he speaks through his words. Sometimes he speaks through his voice. Sometimes he can speak through feelings. And how do you be anchored in Scripture? Well, the easiest way is to read it. Get a devotional, get in a small group, get, get a means of studying God's Word. A devotional is a, is a word that we use for a, a book that helps us read the Bible. And often a devotional will have like a prayer, have a thought, and have some scriptures, some, some Bible verses to read through that will help us understand how God's word is and how it works. But if, if you don't have a devotional, you don't know where to start, maybe you need a faith, I want to encourage you to, to grab the New Testament, which is about two-thirds of the way through. It starts with a book called Ma Ma Matthew. I'll get it one day. <laughs> Matthew. And read the book of John or the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the first three books in that New Testament. And they're all about Jesus. A great place to start. On um, Wednesday, I finished that message and that's where it ended. And I was going to invite, we were going to pray, I was going to invite the band up and I thought, oh, that's actually, we're doing well, we're a bit short for time. I was like, that's nice, a bit of a shorter service. Yeah, I've been preaching pretty long, this is, yeah, this would be good. And Thursday I came into the office and sat down, I've been starting earlier, uh, starting pretty early at the moment this year and trying to get home early so I've got more time for my family, realising my kids are getting older. And um, so I'm here, here pretty early. I'm all by myself in the office and I'm working on the study booklets for this message. And um, good job, church. We ran out of study booklets last week. Uh, so we've printed more and, and got pretty passionate about them again this week. So if you're looking for a devotional tool, um, grab a study book uh, from the, the info desk. And, and I'm working through this study book and God just hit me over the back of the head with spiritual two before and just said, I want you to tell them about this. And it's just like, oh God, please no. Because I don't, don't share these 
parts of events in my life all that often, and when I do it, it's emotional and it's hard, and I was like, God, you really, really? And, and he just dropped this, this story uh, that we've lived on me, and I thought, I just, I've got I to share this. Um, and it was actually the, the 8.45 that while preaching, God spoke to me again in something I've never, ever aligned until about an hour and a half ago. And um, so I just need to be obedient and want to share with what God placed on my heart. And it's an example of how this works in the real world. How does this work? How does this scripture and spirit work in reality? Like we heard the gym story and that, that's great. But how does it work when things aren't going well? Um, Yvette and I... I think Yvette talked about it at our, um, our induction service when we were being interviewed um, when we started here a few months, nine months ago, and um, that we actually have four children. Uh, we've got the three that you see running around after church with no parents looking after them, that's their ass. And then we've got a fourth uh, daughter who would be our eldest, she'd be 16, called Ellie. And our daughter Ellie was born with a part of her heart never sort of formed properly. She had three chambers and not four. And so her heart never functioned the way it was meant to, to function. And she was born at the Royal Children's, uh, Royal Women's Hospital and spent her entire life at the Royal Children's Hospital uh, from the very day she was born to the day that she passed away at 10 days old. And we, we tried to do everything we could for her. We, we, did oper we had operations done on her as a three-day-old baby. They did open-heart surgery to try and fix it, and we wanted to give her every chance. We had people praying over her and people caring for her and loving on her, and, and we were you know, reading scripture into a vet's stomach, and we were doing everything that you do as, as parents that, that love their children and want to give them the best start in life. And I remember that, that through this journey that, that never once did I doubt that God was real. And the only reason that I can, can attribute that to is that, that through my entire life I've had people invest in me with scripture and live it out. It wasn't just the scripture, it was the living example. People being led by the spirit and living out their convictions that showed me what it was to be a Christian. And I'm so thankful for, for those in the church that I grew up, those in the camps that I attended, that invested in me in that way. Never once did I doubt the existence of God, but every fiber of my being questioned why. And I remember one afternoon, and it's very unlike me, but I was sitting on the edge of the bed, staring out the window where we had a rose garden, and... I don't sit on the edge of the bed very often. I lie on my bed and go to sleep. That's, that's about all I use the bed for. Just, you know, I don't sit, I don't read, I don't do, you know, I just, it was odd. And staring at a rose garden, that's probably the only time in my life that I've ever stared at a rose garden. I, I don't particularly like roses, and as much as I try and prune ours back, they just keep growing amazingly. And I was sitting on the bed looking at, these thorny sticks and everything in me, there's no filters, there's no walls, there's no barriers, there's no, um, there's probably a lack of respect maybe 
But there was nothing in there. It was just me and God. And I just let him have everything. I, I don't swear that I was swearing at God. I don't use that language. But I was using that. I, was, I gave him everything. And, and I'm throwing stuff at him, God. God, you know that Jesus was going to come back. We, we had full faith and confidence. We prayed this and it didn't happen. How dare you do this to us? We have served you our entire lives. How dare you take our daughter from us? Why would you do this? Help us know, where was the why was there false hope? And I'm throwing everything, every single bit that's in me, I'm throwing at him. And then all of a sudden, these scriptures start popping into my head, and I don't think via scriptures. That is not me. I don't look at Baker's delight and go, oh, man shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> I, I read with an English accent. When I... <laughs> I look at Baker's Delight and go, ooh, cream fills stuff, swear. <laughs> I don't think in scriptures, but, but it's in this moment I'm, I'm throwing everything that I have at God and, and these, these scriptures are just popping into my head and I can't remember half the conversation because it was so emotionally loaded that it may not have been coherent. It was just everything I had. It was just my heart. This is who I am, God, and I am hurting so much. I have so many questions. I'm so frustrated. What, what are you doing? What is your plan? And these verses just keep popping into my head. Everything I threw at him, a verse would come back. I'd throw something and a verse would come back. But I'm so in the heat of the moment that I don't even know what's going on. I'm just giving it to him. And this wrestle in my thoughts. And then, as I said, about an hour and a half ago, it hit me that this was the verse that God gave me that shut me down. And I crossed the line of my relationship with the Holy God and God said, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And I remember at that point, my emotions settled a little bit and, and I stood up and I didn't even get to the door of the bedroom when it hit me that that was God's voice. I remember a mix of emotions. The first emotion was like, wow. The second emotion was just guilt. To think that the one time that I audibly heard God as clear as day was the moment that I'm swearing at him and that I'm ashamed of my behaviour. But in reflection in years gone by and looking at that moment, what I realised it was when I was the most raw with God, no filters, no barriers, at my lowest point, that's where God met me. And he met me through scripture. I'm so thankful for the people that invested into my life when I was a kid. The people that are out there teaching those kids in kids ministry and on a Friday and involved in the camps that are running next, next, um, next weekend with youth camp. I am so thankful that people anchored me in scripture because it was because of those individuals I was able to hear God's voice. And it's because of that I know where my daughter is. Why we didn't get her to, to have her long on earth, I know where she is. The last words that I promised my daughter as she took her last breath is that I promise I will see you again soon. I want us as a church to understand that these aren't just nice themes and nice ideas and well sort of worded phrases on a page 
This is life and death. This is important. That we need to understand Scripture. It's going to help us in those low points and in those good points. We need to understand what it is to be led by the Spirit. And so I don't share those stories lightly. I don't... Um, well, Ellie's a part of us. It doesn't define us. We're defined by Christ. And so I don't want us to be the, the couple that lost a daughter. I want us to be the couple that, that follow who Jesus has called us to be. And so there was a wrestle on Thursday morning with God about, do you want me to share this or not? But I want you to know that, that I live each day not focused on being saved, but I live each day because I am obligated because Jesus rose again and has a plan for my life. I'm obligated because I know that life is short. I've experienced it. I've lived it. And you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. So make the most of today. Love one another today. Invest in one another today. Be the church family that God has called us to be. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have a hope of life after this life. We have a hope of an eternity with him. And, and we shouldn't keep that to ourselves. The way that we live this out is by being anchored in Scripture and led by the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have your word, that this word is God-breathed, that this word will help guide us and teach us and lovingly lead us where you want us to go. We thank you that your spirit challenges us, that your spirit helps us navigate where you are calling us into. And when we partner, as Jesus did, that the leading of the spirit and the understanding of scripture, we are able to fend off the things of this world. Lord, we thank you that in you, we have a hope of an eternity. An eternity without suffering. An eternity without the, the physical or the emotional or the spiritual things that, that distract us. But that one day, we will look at our Creator and we will be able to, to sing our praises to you. Lord, my prayer for us as a church is that we would get hungry for your word, that it wouldn't be a chore, it wouldn't be a, a routine or a thing that we do, that it becomes something that we just, at our very, very inner core, just long to spend time reading about who you are and what you want for your people. Lord, I pray that we would be a, a church of people that are on their knees seeking you in prayer, and then being led into places that are far beyond our own capacity. Because when we are weak, you are made strong. And that we would glorify you by the way that we deal with the trials and the problems of this world. Lord, we are a church that lead people to Jesus Christ. And disciple them so that they are empowered to do the same. I pray that we would live that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.